On this episode of AvTalk, we get an update on the investigation into the crash of Saratov Airlines Flight 703. Two airlines suffer engine incidents. We explain why London City Airport closed for a day, and we learn once and for all how to use a METAR. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of AvTalk. I am Ian Pechnik, here as always with... Jason Rabinowitz, hello. And we begin the show on a very somber note. This this weekend ended the 440-day streak of a non-fatal airplane crash. Jet-powered Jet commercial, commercial aircraft. Yeah, we, we have to be specific, but it, it was one of the longest you know streaks, if not the longest streak in, in modern the, history. The longest streak, yeah. So a, a Saratov Airlines flight 703 crashed not long after takeoff from Moscow headed towards Orsk, which is southeast of Moscow. Unfortunately, no one on board survived, and and the Russian authorities released a preliminary set of data this morning that that pointed towards some icing conditions that may have contributed to the to the crash. So, right, but with, as with all air incidents like this, we don't know. They very, don't know. They, very they preliminary info. They will, in due course, could take years. They'll they'll do their investigation. They'll they'll figure out what happened. And as we know from years past, it's never just one single thing that causes an accident. So we'll have Correct. to wait and see what the authorities say caused this. And I'm almost going to guarantee it wasn't just icing. It never is. Well, yeah. Th- there's you know never just one factor, of course. But we will see as, as it comes out. It was operated by an Antonov AN-148, which is a, a twin-engine aircraft. This particular one was delivered in 2010 to, to Russia, stored in early 2017, and then picked up by uh, by Saratov. So, not, not an elderly aircraft by any stretch of the imagination. Well, I was following some tweets from John Ostrow, who we've had on the show a few times, and he had noted this particular airframe in the past that had some significant issues. But I guess that's really the kind of the case with all early model production runs of a new airframe though. Right. I mean, any anytime you, you build a new plane, the, the early the early models have have issues. I mean, we've, we've seen that with even brand new planes like the, uh, you know, 787, A380 and, and all of those have, you know, their, their issues on the first couple production models. Right. And as of now, the airline has grounded the remainder of its uh, AN-148 fleet as they look to figure out what happened. So stay tuned and we'll find, we'll uh, pass along as soon as the authorities figure out what happened. Mm -hmm. In what is breaking news as we're recording this, a United Airlines flight, uh, flight 1175, landed in Honolulu from San Francisco missing Part of its engine cowling from good chunk the, of the pictures right that we've seen so far. Obviously, we'll see more pictures soon to to find out exactly how much of the engine is missing, uh, if any of the actual engine is missing at all. But some very serious looking pictures came out of that uh, from passengers on board. Uh, yeah, I mean we're we're seeing these pictures and videos just out in the last not even half hour, and the uh, the video we we see of the vibration of the wing and the fuselage. I guess this was taken before the engine was fully shut down. Is pretty intense. Yeah, it does not. It yeah, significant and intense is I, I think a good way to put it. But the the flight landed safely in Honolulu, so that's good. And um, obviously there will be a 
investigation to accompany this incident as well. And and we'll keep everyone apprised of, of that situation. But we will put some information in the show notes that shows uh, those pictures and video. So I, I think that's the <laughs> the all the incident news we have for now. I, hope. I mean, there is the the Delta incident oh, yes, from like the, eighteen seconds 18 ago. Sec- yes, the the Delta Delta fifty five in Lagos returned after experiencing what Delta is terming an engine issue. And pa- did passengers evacuate on slides or were they? Yep, okay. slides on the runway. Five customers reporting non critical injuries. So it's been it's been an eventful half hour. Uh, yeah. So ho- Don't hopefully. Have- don't really have any idea what happened with the Delta flight other than an unspecified engine issue, but it must have been pretty damn severe for them to basically not even leave the pattern at the airport and land less than 10 minutes after taking off with that much fuel on board. They're flying from Lagos back to Atlanta. So that's an extremely heavy landing. Yeah. Yeah. So that that is something we'll also be following and we'll have more on all of these issues in the next episode. So Moving hopefully, on. hopefully, no more incidents today. No, an incident that happened over the weekend that has a an interesting twist to it is London City Airport was closed, and it was over, cl- over a day, right? It was closed for over a day to to flights because, as part of a, a planned construction project near the airport at a, a, a dock area, they found a an unexploded World War II bomb. Pretty, uh, pretty scary, I guess, if you're the construction guy digging a hole in the ground and suddenly, oh, look, an unexploded, unexploded bomb in the ground. Yeah. So, it, I mean, in Europe, it happens, I don't want to say regularly, but it's not I mean, it kind of does. Yeah, well, it it yeah. happened just this past summer in, in Berlin. They had to shut the, the airport down for quite a while and, and actually have long haul flights out of the, the old airport while they defuse the bomb out, out on the field in Berlin. And it, it seems to happen about every six months or so. So they they found this particular ordinance and they, I guess, loaded it onto a barge and shipped it off for for disposal. And the airport is, is back open. But uh, that was an unusual, uh, the METAR listed operational disruptions. Yes, or that not is METAR, quite- the NOTAM. That listed is quite operational the disruption. disruptions. So I've got METAR on the brain because we're gonna we're gonna talk about METARs a little bit later in the show. Spoiler alert. Yeah, we'll get but there. It, it happens, and some interesting stuff happened when London City was closed. The British Airways baby bus, the A three eighteen that shuttles between uh, JFK and London City, is all business class diverted to Gatwick, who was it? CityJet, who was operating for. Aer Lingus operated out of Southend Airport, which is like, I don't, can you even consider that London at that point? I mean, it's one of those things where it's, they tack on London to the name. So they get people who, yeah, London-ish. But for the most part, uh, the bulk of the flights were just straight up canceled. Yeah. The, uh, Stansted, Stansted took some flights. Southend took some flights. Gatwick took, I think, one flight. And there was another airport that escapes me at the moment that that also took a, a handful of flights. But yeah, most of most everything was just, just canceled for the day. We should take bets on the next airport that'll have this issue because it seems to rotate around. It's never just one airport. I, I don't know if that's something that we should bet on. Hmm, no, maybe not. What we should talk about next instead of betting on which airports will find unexploded ordnance, Lufthansa got a new livery. Hmm, it did. 
I take it that you're not I'm undecided. A fan. I'm undecided. Okay. All right. That's fair. I need to see it in person. Yes. I missed my opportunity over the weekend to see it in person, and it was here. Unbelievable, Ian. Come I know, on. I know. I'm a bad advocate. I, I did too. I did. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I just went to New York too. But so they've got, so far they have painted one 747-D-A-B-Y-A. That would be a 747-8I for those looking. Correct. And there's an A321 that is also painted, uh, registered D-A-I-S-P. And those are both painted in the new livery, flying around now on their regular routes and they're supposed to start painting more aircraft they won't paint any aircraft proactively which i thought was interesting so it is interesting so just when their normal paint cycles come yeah, up so when when it's gonna take forever yeah you know, like a hundred years or something like that huh that seems exaggerated but maybe I don't maybe i'm exaggerating for effect but but the not the a350 that's being delivered thursday but the next one, I believe, which is coming to the airline in March, will be the first A350 to wear the new livery. So that'll be that'll be interesting to see. So yeah. I, I'm still torn on it. I, I feel like it is a bit bland. It's just white on the liver, white on the the fuselage, and you got the blue logo on the tail. But they could have done with a, a splash of yellow somewhere. Someone I, I don't remember who on on Twitter mocked up the the crane logo where just the outer circle of it was yellow, and I thought it added a lot of pop to it but as it is now it, it's it's pretty bland but i again i still have to see it in person there are some people out there who are still <laughs> unhappy with americans new livery <laughs> even though they a lot of people have come around over the i guess years at this yeah. point now but we'll see if that happens with, with tons it, of but as of yeah. right now i am firmly undecided it'll be interesting to see i i think i i'm kind of with you in the fact that i don't i don't dislike it but I feel like they missed an opportunity. I, I just don't understand also why. Why why, why new livery? Why, why new branding? It, they're so well known. I mean, you could argue the same about Americans new. I mean, you know, obviously they had to start painting the planes because they were taking delivery. Exactly. American, American had a but reason. They didn't have to rebrand. I mean, they could have just modified the livery and, and the logo and things like that. So, I mean, there, there's – I mean, that argument to be made. But – with Lufthansa, I, I just feel like they, they missed an opportunity. I don't dislike it. I mean, I, I think it looks good. I just feel like they could have done more. Yeah, there's nothing, nothing to me strikes me as special or unique. It's just white and a touch of blue and that's it. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, maybe it'll grow on us and we'll be talking about this in a few years going, well, you know, that's what, what, what airline is next. But Air France. Yeah, Air, well, I mean, we talked about Air France what, in like the second episode, and and I made a push for that that horse emblem to to take a, a bigger role. And that would be I'm great. I'm telling you, that, I I think that's you know something that could really really do well. So Lufthansa's got their A321 painted. They've got their 747 painted. So let's go with A321 and 747 News. Ooh. Happy birthday! To the 747 this week. Hooray! Uh, 49 years from February 9th. Doesn't look a yeah. day over 40. <laughs> well, it's starting to, starting to go a little gray in the top and, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
So their their days uh, from passenger service are certainly numbered. Yeah, but they they got a recent. I mean, this thing's going to be flying for you know a hundred years. UPS just recently ordered. I think what was it fourteen more? Yeah, a bit of an add on. They only recent, very right. recently took their first. But so fourteen I more seven like four seven dash eights. So cargo, obviously, but you know that that that'll keep the production line open longer, and it'll keep the plane in the air longer, and and that's you know good for the seven forty seven. Yeah, and good for the people who make it well, too. Well, there's but, that. Um, it's still to the point where if you're looking to fly one as a passenger, your options are quite limited these days yep. and, and shrinking by the day. And so A321 News, Airbus did a reverse Limburg today. Do tell. Took off from Le Bourget in the A321LR headed for JFK because I don't uh, think you can land at Roosevelt Field anymore. At least it's with an a three twenty one, the parking lots are pretty big, so you can probably make it work. But I wouldn't recommend. If you it. had a DeLorean, you could do it. Yeah, th- there's a plaque somewhere in the mall, you know, commemorating the the flight. But you probably shouldn't land a new plane there. Probably won't go so well. So it just landed in New York not long ago. Is is taxiing around the airfield at JFK because what what landing in New York wouldn't be. Wouldn't it wouldn't be proper if they didn't make them taxi all around the entire airport for a tour? Right. I mean, they've proved that it could land at JFK with a, with enough fuel, but they haven't proved yet that it could get to the <laughs> gate at JFK without running out of fuel. That's the real test. It's going to be two hundred people out there just pushing behind the wings. Yeah, that's uh, taxiing at JFK is not great, but it made it. It made it. Yep. It, it mimics almost what. Bombardier did, I, I think, or last year, they flew London City to JFK yes. nonstop to prove that it could take over the A318, the baby bus. So, it seems like Europe to JFK is the is the really proof point for your narrow-body transatlantic operation. Exactly. I mean, the, the I, I think, you know, the, the two business centers, you know, whether it's Paris or, or, or London to, to New York, there's the, the way that people measure it and and we had we had a lot of pushback when we talked about Norwegian and and their transatlantic flight you know obviously a flight to Dublin is also across the Atlantic and therefore transatlantic but the 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 standard unit of measurement is has been New York to to London for or if you're wow air, the standard of measurement could be Iceland to San Francisco. Somebody, we, we posted this on Twitter and somebody made a comment that, that, that wow was going to try and use the A321LR for Reykjavik to Australia. I mean, if you keep the load light enough, sure, why not? So, I, I thought that was funny. And, and you never know, they, they might do that. Please no, don't. No, they won't. And I've been seeing a, a lot of ads on Instagram for... Uh, Flights was a Primera Air starting up service to uh, New York from Europe, and they they've had to push it back a few times because they don't have their A three twenty one LRs yet. But it's a lot of interest in those little planes going big flights. Yeah, so I mean the the idea behind the A three twenty one LR is is basically that it's not a straight replacement for the seven five seven two hundred, but it is. A replacement. More, more. It is more than it is not. Right, right. I mean, it, you know, you're you're not getting the exact same, the exact same performance figures out of it, but it, it's something that that can slot into what would be a seven five seven two hundred's job. I mean, certainly the climb performance is going to be incredibly different. Yeah, it, it would be hard to match the seven five sevens Corvette like performance versus the A three twenty ones. What's the not. what's the opposite of a Corvette? Dodge Neon. Okay, we'll go with that. 
Yeah, we're, we're A321 fans. We, we podcast at FR24, and you can tell us why we're wrong uh, about that if you're an A321 fan. Are we wrong, though? Because I'm pretty sure we I don't not. think we are, but but if if you think we are, please tell us why. I would be curious to know. But it'll be interesting. A lot of people have said, you know, I'm not going across the ocean in, in a single-aisle aircraft. Uh, That's stupid. And... <sighs> My whole thing is, you know, and we've had this conversation before and we can have it briefly again, but I mean, if if the aircraft's being designed for long journeys, I would hope that the airlines are taking that into account in their cabin designs. Yeah, I mean, it's up to the individual airline. Wow Air is not going to equip its A321neo LRs in a fantastic form. So no matter what it is, it's going to be bare bones on the inside. But if you get an airline like a JetBlue or Delta or whatever, they're going to kit that aircraft out to the specs of their wide body aircraft. So in some ways, especially operators that also operate uh, 10 abreast 777s or whatever, it's going to be probably more comfortable than a wide body aircraft if it's kitted out correctly. Yeah. And, and, one person, it was, I was trying to follow this line of reasoning, but they they were saying that they're not going to do that because it only has one aisle, so you can't walk around. That what? And that's what I said. I, I, it was unclear to me what turning radius they required to to walk. So perhaps they had never okay. heard of turning around. But it, it seems to me that people are kind of bending over backwards to say, "Well, I'm not going to fly on a single aisle aircraft." Well, when, when distance. you think of single aisle, you think of like a Southwest seven thirty seven with your like. 31 inch pitch seats or 32 no entertainment no power maybe wi-fi like just not it's a good experience but not one you'd want to sit in for a 10 hour flight but there's nothing stopping an airline from putting in long haul seats and entertainment and power and all the things that make a a long distance cabin long distance on a narrow body aircraft exactly yeah I mean, just look at, who is it? Fly Dubai took their 737 Max with full flat beds up front. So, even in business classes, nothing stopping an airline from making the difference non-existent. No, I mean, I mean, American operates those those three class A321s between New York, Los Angeles, and, and San Francisco. So, I mean, that that, you know, that's a proven nice product. Yeah, I'd rather be on that than any one of their 777s. This is true. This is true. I mean, what did they? They used to run uh, the seven six seven two hundreds on those routes. I mean, those were those were fun, <laughs> old school comfort on that plane. It, it was like it was like sitting. Uh, it was like sitting in your grandfather's chair. It was. It, I don't hate those old super reclining seats. Like they, uh, Norwegian still kind of has it because they didn't opt for full flat premium cabin. But I, I love those seats. Yeah, I mean, they were they were comfortable. They still. Are. I mean, all you needed is like like a, a thing of like hard candy and and some plastic on the seats to get that real like grandparents' house experience. Oh yeah, don't ever remove the plastic. No. We might have to return it to the store one day. <laughs> I mean, can you do that with airplane seats? I wonder. Like thirty years later, bring it back to the Boeing factory. Say, I want a new one. <laughs> this one's damaged. <laughs> what happened? Oh, I took the plastic off. Well, we flew it for 400,000 miles in uh, last week. So, you know, need a new one. Exactly. Oh, should we talk about Singapore? Uh, what's there to talk about? You ready? Go. I'm going to wrap up the entire Singapore air show in five seconds. Ready, go. No one bought any planes. The right. end. What did happen? I don't Anything? know. I mean, as far as like commercial aviation and, and, and the things that we normally talk about, not, not really. Disappointing. Yeah, I mean, you know, we always like to... 
to see. But I mean, has, has Singapore really been a, a jumping off point in years past? I, if it has, I, I don't really remember it. Okay. Nope. I don't think so. I'm, I'm even looking through my email inbox to see if I get any press releases related to the show, and it, there's nothing. No. So, I mean, an exciting, you know, and, and hopefully worthwhile air show for some, just not a whole lot of news to come out of it. Yeah. I got nothing. Singapore's first 787-10 comes Yeah, in, soon, in March, but, but I, I mean, that's t- un- ten, unrelated to the air show. Related, yeah. Yeah. And some other uninteresting stuff but no no major and it was disappointing because the air show area was under construction so the the like there were no commercial displays like the a350 1000 was there but it was just on static display and and here's something that's of minor interest during the show boeing announced that the 737 max 10 reached firm configuration yeah, they, they also rolled out the the Max Seven, but was that during the show or just around? I think that was before. Yeah. Either way, all all eighteen custom, all eighteen uh, no, no, customers orders. Yeah, super happy. Let's see the seven three seven Max Ten, which is a stretch fuselage sixty six inches longer than the Max Nine. Blah blah blah. Up to two hundred thirty passengers. Good God, that's it. So what what kind of you know tip bar is that thing going to need? Something made out of titanium? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but long plane yes. is long. New orders that got firmed up, not at the air, not at Singapore Air Show, but recently, which keeps the A380 line alive for a little bit longer, is the uh, Emirates order for, what, 36 new A380s? That sounds right. And that one, that was announced a while ago, but this week it was firmed. That was at the Dubai Air Show, I think, right? No, no, because no? remember they had the books already to sign everything, and we saw pictures of the, the, oh, the no, signing after books. After the Dubai Air Show, and that then they awkward. couldn't they yeah. couldn't get it done, and so it was after the show. And now the, last week they firmed up the order, so they actually said, "Here's some money. We're gonna we're gonna buy these planes." Dot the I's, cross the T's. There you go, and uh, and so that that is a done deal, and the A380 lives to be put on its you know death watch another day. Yeah, uh, speaking of A380 Death Watch. <laughs> the worst movie ever made. <laughs> well, the second, what was it, Singapore mm-hmm. A380? Mm-hmm. Found its way at uh, Tarmac Aerosave and, and where, where are they? Where are they? They're in Tarbus. Sure, wherever that is. So, that is now the second retired or I guess stored technically A380 because it will eventually find its way back into service with Somebody somewhere. Yeah, this one, this one is for for onward storage. So a lease return for storage. It, it'll fly again one day, but it's uh, a lease return, and Singapore just doesn't want it anymore. Yeah. So the they have two locations. The the A380 is at, at Tarbes, which is in France, and then there's Teruel, which is in Spain. So those are the two big aircraft boneyard slash storage facilities in in Europe that often see a lot of you know, heavy action like A340s going to retirement and things like that. Oh, so we, we, speaking of A340 retirement, an A340 was just unretired. That's right. A very Virgin Atlantic. Thank you. We, we forgot about that. Virgin Atlantic had slowly been retiring its A340 600 fleet. They had retired the 300s all a couple of years ago at this point. But due to issues with the 787-9s, Rolls-Royce Trent 1000 engines. Did I get that right? 
I think I got that right. Yeah, I believe so. They've they've had to ground a few 787s, and in the meantime, they have acquired some off-lease Air Berlin A33200s, because Air Berlin ain't using them anymore, but they need even more lifts. So they reactivated an A34600 that had been stored in 2015 and gave it a neat paint job. What's that say again? I can't uh, a very that. virgin Atlantic thank you. So it's uh, right. to to employees, I believe, right. is who so they are thinking. Uh, I've been told it's a standby aircraft, so it won't be in service every day, but it has the same interior as all the other A340s minus Wi-Fi, unfortunately, but they will only be pushing it into service when needed, kind of just as a, a one-off spare. Yeah, and, and they're slowly painting the, the ex-Air Berlin A330s. So they're you no know, getting out of the the old Air Berlin livery and, and putting them into uh, putting them into the Virgin Atlantic livery. So I think the last the most recent one was the the one there. I mean, you know how Virgin names their aircrafts and the ones that's being named after Mick Jagger. Right. That's all because of the the engine issues with the seven eight seven nine that particular engine. And I guess we should also mention the same time. Wasn't there some news about the A three twenty Neo engines? Yeah, so th- this is, you know, kind of a, a continuing saga and it's really affected the Indian operators of the A320neo and it's just, you know, now it, they they updated the engine, so it's like the new they had engine issues, then the engine issues kind of started going away and then they revised part of the engine and that part had issues and so now they've grounded a bunch of the A320neos. That was a very poor winding explanation. I am sorry, listeners. Well, I kind of caught you off guard. <laughs> there is that. But yeah, it's definitely yeah. Uh, not just the 787 alone with issues these days because the A320neo still these lingering issues grounding big chunks of the worldwide fleet are kind of Kind of getting old at this point. Yeah, and and, and I mean, and, you know, the, they'll tell you that it's, you know, anytime there's a new engine and a long-term technical development and, and things like that, you're going to have engine issues. But it does seem to be getting getting a bit old and, and it's really affecting, you know, the, the plans of airlines. It's been enough of an issue that airlines are rethinking their 320neo orders and either not placing them at all or in the case of a couple airlines, even like JetBlue, converting neo orders to co orders and just taking the the current engine option yeah so i mean we'll obviously keep following this to see how it impacts and and what kind of i mean because if i'm airbus i'm i mean how do you deal with that you blame the engine manufacturer and say it ain't our problem we don't make the engine sure but you still got to get people to buy your planes yeah, it, it's a problem. If I, if I were selling these airplanes by, and someone asked me, well, well, the engines don't work, I don't really know what I would say in reply to that. But I hear you have a rant that you want to go on. It's, it's not so much a rant. But, it's a rant. Well, yeah. It's, it's, Let's hear it. It's, so, I have an issue and, and I feel- Rant. You have a rant. I have a rant. Earlier this week, a Southwest 737 was reported to have skidded off the runway. Now, when I say skidded off the runway, my instant, my mind instantly turns to it was going very fast because it was on the runway. Skidded means something bad, very, you know, something very bad happened and it went off the runway, which is generally between 150 and you know, 200 feet wide. So it's not a small place. 
It turns out that this particular 737 had not skidded off the runway. It had exited the usable portion of the taxiway, which means the area inside the painted lines. The No part of the aircraft ever left paved surface. And before anyone had a chance to, to ever, you know, look at the facts here, Twitter was off to the races, news agencies were reporting an airplane off the runway. And then, you know, by the time everyone walks it back to, you know, no, actually the plane hit a little bit of ice and it went off the center line of the taxiway and came close to going into the grass at 0.1 miles per hour. 0.1? Exactly. Such, Such velocity. Exactly. So, I mean, I, my whole thing about this is, you know, the words mean something and the whole skidded off a runway, it, it gets back to when news organizations take passenger eyewitness accounts at, you know, at face value without doing any fact checking. And, and that's what really makes me upset. Yeah. You got a lot of people covering this industry that don't know anything about this industry because they're just general news assignment beat reporters and they're assigned this. So they say, okay, it's uh, not where it's supposed to be. Therefore, skid it off the runway. And oh my God. Right. The and, horror. And, and there were, you know, there were passengers on Twitter and, and news organizations go on Twitter right away. And, and this is something we do as well. But but we have the ability to kind of look at things and go, okay, that doesn't that doesn't sound right. Those words don't go together. This doesn't seem right. Let's look at the data and things like that. But what what just it bothers me that that without any type of further reporting when when people take these these eyewitness statements they're they're often contradictory and just run with them and then you know a day later say oh well that's not exactly what happened but by then the damage is done that that was kind of weak for a rant but it it's just something that that I'm saying that I think I wish news organizations were more cognizant of and it's something that we try to do on a daily basis where you know, getting the terminology right, getting the phrasing right, and getting, I mean, most of all, the facts right, and using the, the data available. That was a solid rant. Thank you very much. Get your information from someone who knows what they're talking about. And speaking of someone who knows what they're talking about, that we, was have a a th- we have a new segue. thing. We have a new I thing. Thank you. This was all Jason's idea. And I, I... I did a thing. You can't say I, I don't do anything for this show because I did a thing. Jason's done one thing for this show in 25 <laughs> <That's> episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. So, Jason, in your infinite wisdom, I really appreciate this. So, we started in episode 23. We said we were going to start doing glossary terms. And as it was pointed out, Jason and I generally know what we're talking about, but if you want to really understand something, we're not your guys. <laughs> it's best to ask the experts. And luckily, we actually know some experts. So we turned to pilot extraordinaire and explainer of all things in the air, Captain Ken Hoke, who flies for a. Shh, don't give it away. We can't say. Drably colored package express airline. Mm, yes, so indeed. That'll do nicely. Ponder that. And he has agreed to, on, on a regular basis, uh, answer questions about you know terminology that, that 
you might hear, that you might see, that might confuse you if you're on an airplane going, what is that? What did I just see? So if you ever have any questions about what you're seeing, what you're hearing, and something you may not understand, send us an email, podcast at fr24.com, and we will ask we will ask Ken to, to provide us with an answer, or if he can't, we'll find somebody who can, and we're going to make expert answers a, a regular thing, rather than Jason and I just kind of not making it up, but doing our best. Yeah. So our sincere appreciation to Ken, you can find him on Twitter at uh, AeroSavvy. Yes. And also, you can head to his own blog, AeroSavvy, A-E-R-O-S-A-V-V-Y.com. He would much appreciate it. But why don't we transition over to him? And what's our term of the episode? So we kick this off with, as I mentioned earlier, METAR. So we are going to let Ken explain what a METAR is, what it's used for, and why everyone, not necessarily in aviation, might find it useful. METAR, M-E-T-A-R, is a French acronym for Message d'observation météorologique régulière pour l'aviation. Thank you, Siri. It translates to Regular Weather Observation Message for Aviation. Some countries have adopted the name Meteorological Aerodrome Report, but everyone just calls them METARs. METAR is a coded format that contains the current weather conditions at airports and weather stations. Weather observations are made about every hour by humans or automated equipment. The observations are then coded into METAR format. It was developed back in the 1960s when teletypes were used for sending data. Bandwidth was a big deal back then, so METARs had to be short. Pilots use METARs for flight planning. We also get current METARs while we're in flight, so we know what's going on at the destination. When your pilot tells you the weather before you land, He's reading it right from the latest METAR. Meteorologists use METARs to help with reporting and forecasting. A raw METAR looks like a scrambled mess of letters and numbers. With a little practice, they're not difficult to read. Every METAR has several basic items. Location and time of observation, wind speed and direction, surface visibility, weather type, Two-letter abbreviations are used for different weather types. There are over two dozen abbreviations for things like rain, snow, thunderstorms, even volcanic ash. I don't have a sound effect for volcanic ash. Next, the METAR shows cloud cover and heights, temperature and dew point, and the local altimeter setting. The end of the METAR usually has a few remarks. They might include things like runway conditions or what time a thunderstorm began. METARs aren't just for pilots and meteorologists. If you like following the weather, METARs are a great resource. There are several METAR apps available. The nice thing about most of these apps is you don't have to understand the METAR format. The apps decode everything into plain English, so they're easy to read. If you'd like to try decoding METARs, I'll give Ian and Jason a few links to include in the show notes. Looks like my airplane is about ready, so it's time for me to check my METARs and fly out of here.
I thought that that was an excellent first bit of glossary information. Yeah, even some added sound effects <laughs> for uh, that extra touch, which is that, something we we don't have. We don't have the capability to do that. So, uh, well, I mean, we, we do. I, I think I just don't trust you to choose the sound effects. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, although I still don't know what the sound effect for volcan volcanic ash would be like. Don't really know what he could possibly have done there. But I let me tell you this: I don't want to ever find out what volcanic no, ash sounds no, like. No, let's no, let's, let's just not. leave it out there. Yeah. So excellent job. We're we're gonna hope to make this a regular thing. Let us know if you have any terms that you would like defined by Ken, our now expert. One of these days we're gonna have him do airspeed versus ground speed, and even he said this one's gonna take a little while. That's uh, a bit of explaining. So we're gonna start it off simple and ramp it up. So yeah, I mean, we we promise not to turn this into a physics podcast. What is gravity? <laughs> exactly. But we'll we'll do our best to to kind of keep it interesting, keep it lively, but also, I mean, give you the information that, that you need to to hopefully understand everything by the end. So a, a great start to what I think is a a great thing, and I'm I'm really grateful to Ken for for doing this. Yes, as am I. Thanks a lot, Ken. We have a lot to follow up on in our next episode. So we will do that, but we're we will going to find out what happened in Singapore. We're going to find out what happened in Singapore. We'll find out what happened in Honolulu with United. We'll find out what happened in Lagos with Delta. We'll keep a, abreast of the Saratov Airlines crash investigation and whatever else happens in the next couple of weeks. But until then, I am Ian Pechnik here as always with the sound affected Jason Rabinowitz, thank you. Yeah, let us know if you know what volcanic ash sounds like. There you go. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.